Welcome to the podcast that will bring the pages of Elephants in Tea magazine to life. Never heard of us? We're the only magazine written for and by the adolescent and young adult cancer community. We like to call everyone in our community our herd. So, welcome to the herd. Although this club is not one that you're glad you joined, knowing you're not alone in what you're going through and hearing from people who get it can really help. With this podcast, you can bring your herd with you on the go. Welcome to AYA Cancer Unfiltered, spilling the tea with our herd. Hi, Tamika, how are you? Hi, Lisa. I'm doing fairly well right now. Oh, fairly well. I am so glad that you're here to kind of chat with us a little bit more about your story. And um, I know that the our upcoming deer cancer issue, um, you have a lot to say and you'd like to kind of share some of that. And we're just honored that you are choosing to share some of your story with us. So thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. Um, and we just we're excited to kind of hear more about you. Um, what we already know about you, we adore. So, um, thank you again for kind of taking the time and, and chatting with me. Thank you so much for allowing me this opportunity to, uh, join you all again at Elephants and Tea. I've made some new friends over there and I'm really excited to be able to share, um, more of my story and more of how I'm feeling about cancer especially because these last few months have been a lot for me and I've experienced so many different things and probably a lot more than I have in the last, uh, in a in total in this year, I've, I've probably spent more time and more, uh, energy in trying to, uh, survive and continue to push forward. Yeah. So could you actually do that for us? Could you start by just sharing a little bit about your specific cancer experience? You know, like when you were diagnosed, um, what you were first diagnosed with and kind of give us a little bit of background information that way people listening understand where you are in, in your experience. Absolutely. Um, one thing that I don't talk about often enough is my initial cancer journey and my initial cancer diagnosis, which was osteosarcoma. When I was 13 years old, I was diagnosed with osteosarcoma, which is cancer of the femur. Um, I was scared. (laughs) Um, I felt alone. I didn't really understand at the time what cancer was. All I knew is that people were dying from it. And so I was very, um, scared of actually, you know, dying from cancer because I thought because I had cancer, I was going to die. And I asked my mom, like, am I going to die? And she said, no. So, you know, to, um, be diagnosed at 13 and have to deal with that was traumatizing. It was very traumatizing. It was very hard to deal with because there wasn't a lot to know about cancer at the time. And when I was diagnosed, it actually took them six months to actually diagnose me. So 
I was, um, I remember being in middle school. I was very athletic, track, basketball, everything. And I just remember being outside and we were having um, PE. And uh, my, my gym teacher was like, you know, I want you guys to run from this end to that end. And, you know, we're kind of doing an obstacle course kind of thing. And so I started running and then I started having this pain in my right knee. So, um, you know, after a while, I'm just keeping an eye on it, pain. Okay, you know, maybe I did something, didn't know. But as time went on, probably like some weeks or a month or so, I noticed that my knee is just getting worse. It's, it, the pain is getting worse and it's getting bigger. So the size of my knee just continues to grow. So I told my mom, like, something's wrong. Something's not right. Can you take me to the doctor? So she took me to the doctor. Um, and <laughs> what I remember about going to the doctor is there was a man outside with a sign. And it said, this particular hospital or care place misdiagnosed his wife's cancer and she died. That's what his sign said. That's what he, he stood out there. Um, what I remember now was almost every day that we were there, oh he was there. Goodness. And so I remember seeing that sign and I remember going in and my mom requesting x-rays and things like that because I was having pain and my knee was swollen. And the doctor said, we don't see anything. We think she's just having a growth spurt. So for the next five months or so, that was what they said, I was having a growth spurt. And multiple times to the doctor because my knee just kept getting bigger and bigger and I was in so much pain. It was hard to walk. It was hard to run. It was hard to get out of bed. It was, it was painful. And so, you know, my mom just said, okay, I'm gonna give you Motrin. I'll give you Tylenol. And so that's what she did. And my mom went out of town Months had passed and I was staying with my grandmother and I remember just crying and crying and crying and telling my grandmother something is wrong. My knee hurts so bad. And she said, okay, I'm going to take you back to the uh, hospital. And she took me back. It was kind of late at night. So there weren't really too many people there. And I remember getting an x-ray and then the tech came back and said, when her mother comes back, we need her to bring her back in right away. And my grandmother was like, well, what's wrong? because I'm here with her now, her mother's out of town. Can you tell me what's wrong? And they said, no, because you're not her guardian. We can't tell you what, what's going on and what we see. Man. 
So I'm asking like, well, what do you see? Like, tell me. And they wouldn't tell me. They said I had to wait until my mom came back. And so I said, okay. My mom came back a couple days later and she took me back to the facility and they uh, said to me and my mom, the x-ray results show that there's a tumor on her knee. And I'm like, what? Tumor? What is that? And then they say tumors can be cancerous. They cannot be cancerous. We don't know. It looks cancerous, but we're not sure. So we're going to send you for more testing. So I'm like asking my mom all types of questions. Am I going to die? You know, what is this? How does this work? And my mom was just like me. She didn't know. And so all I know is time. Like, it's like, everything flew by, everything was so fast. I went and got an MRI, I went and got a CT scan. And, and then the day that I was actually sent to get my biopsy and meet my orthopedic surgeon or the orthopedic surgeon that was gonna be working with me, they actually admitted me into the hospital to start chemo that same day. Wow. And I was in surgery for probably about eight hours that day. And when I got out, they said the reason why that they admitted me is because the tumor in my knee was the size of a baseball. Wow. So all of that time that I had been complaining about the pain in my knee and what was going on with me and how I was feeling it was being ignored and it was being summed up as a growth spurt, which I actually wasn't having. It was actually a baseball sized tumor in my knee that you could actually see poking out of my knee because my knee was that swollen. Oh, Tamika. And to be 13 and to be experiencing that, I mean, the fact that you were able to advocate for yourself at that young age and be like, no, please, someone listen to me. Something's not right. right. Um, it just goes to show how important that is and how much we know our own bodies more than anybody else does, regardless of what age you are. Right. Um, goodness. That's, that's, that's a crazy story. Thank you for sharing that, Tamika. Oh, you're welcome. I mean, I, I feel like I don't share it enough <laughs> um, because the breast cancer has, has, uh, it, it has taken over a huge part of my life and it's been a huge part of my adult life. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm glad that I have the opportunity to actually talk about when I was 13 and, and I had cancer and I didn't, I never wanted to talk about it, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, I never wanted to talk about that moment, that, that time in my life because it was very traumatic because of what I went through but also I was 13, so I wanted to still go to school. Right. And with me wanting to still go to school, I wasn't, um, I wasn't 
as welcomed as I thought I would be. You know, I thought I would be treated like Tamika, regular Tamika, I'm Tamika. But it was more like, I was treated like, okay, you're Tamika with cancer and is cancer contagious? Can I catch it if I touch you, if I'm around you, if I'm near you? Mm-hmm. Is my hair gonna fall out too if I get too close? Mm-hmm. Like these are some of the questions that I'm being asked at the age of 13. These are some of the things that are being said to me at the age of 13. So where I thought was my safe place and my place of comfort actually became a place that I didn't want to end up going to because I was being teased and I was being talked to as if I was I was the a disease, not that I had a disease, but that I was the disease. So um, it just became something that I wanted to fight through, get over with and go back to normal. And I thought that, you know, after that, my life would just be normal again. And it was mm, for the most part. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then, so at what point were you diagnosed with breast cancer? When did that kind of come into the picture? I was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 31. I was uh, diagnosed as stage two uh, DCIS in my left breast. And prior to my diagnosis, I did have cysts in my breast and they were removed. So years later, when I was diagnosed with the breast cancer, it was very shocking to me. I didn't have a history in my family of breast cancer. Um, I didn't have the gene, there there was nothing. We did all of the tests to to make sure that I didn't carry the gene or that, you know, um, I, I didn't have any family history. But what I did learn in this process is that I can start the gene. Mm. And so now I have to make sure that my daughter, who is now 15, but was six at the time, or around five, about to turn six, at the time when I was diagnosed. So I was diagnosed at 31 with stage two breast cancer, HER2 estrogen receptor and progesterone receptor positive breast cancer. Triple positive, okay. Yes. And then at the age of 36 is when the breast cancer returned in my collarbone, my left lung, and now my lower spine. So I am considered metastatic. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, I first want to say that it's, it's a lot to share this information. So I feel for you and I'm 
I'm hugging you through the computer screen. <laughs> um, I, I think that your prior experience with cancer as an adolescent, like you said, that's something that you just were hoping to kind of brush off and, and continue on your life, which you did for a, a, a number of years before your breast cancer diagnosis. But would you say that you learned anything through your first experience with cancer that you then had to kind of pull out from within you when you got that diagnosis at 31? I, when I was diagnosed at 31, what I knew and understood about cancer was how, how hard it was to fight through. So I knew that it was going to be a tough ride because I understood what the medicine did to your body. So when I was diagnosed at 31, the one thing that I did pray for honestly was strength. And I told God that if this was something that I had to go through again, I just need God to give me the strength to do it because I knew I couldn't do it on my own. And that has been something that I've been blessed with is the strength to keep moving through this process. So because I understood what the drugs did to my body before when I had cancer, I was preparing myself and my body to go through it again. And so a lot, I spent a lot of time um, preparing my, my body and feeding my body and making sure that my body was strong enough to go through the process. But what I realized is that I did a lot of work on that, but I wasn't taking care of my mental. Mm -hmm. And not that I wasn't taking care of my mental, but I wasn't as focused on my mental. And what I realized that was different from the first time I had cancer in, in my breast cancer diagnosis is that cancer really is a battle of not only the body, but it's a battle of the mind. Absolutely. And so I spent a lot of time making sure that my body was okay, but I wasn't taking care of my mind and I wasn't taking care of my mental. And it was something that I learned that I had to do more so towards the end of my uh, breast initial breast cancer diagnosis. Mm -hmm. That journey towards the end of my uh, journey with chemo and uh, things like that. So I knew I had to advocate for myself. I knew I had to, you know, take care of my body and eat well and do those things. But I wasn't prepared for the mental struggle because now it's not only about me. It's about me, myself, and my daughter. So I have someone else that I not only have to take care of. You know, I have to I have to take care of myself and I have to take care of her. 
Right. So you have to be mentally strong and prepared for those things too, for the things that you're going to go through, you know, physically, because you're, you're going through chemo, you're going to the doctor, you're having surgery, you're, you know, you're dealing with people around you that are like, oh, you get new breasts. Oh, shrug that off. You're getting new breasts. Mm -hmm. No, this is not like a, a volunteer boob job. Mm -hmm. They actually gut you like a fish. You, You know, they gut you like a fish. So this is not, this is not normal. So you have to, you're, you're, you're learning these things and then you have to teach other people how to treat you, how to respond, how to take care of you, how to help you, how to push you through this process without speaking as if having breast cancer is not a tragedy because it is it is very traumatic everything that you experience in this process is traumatic and you never stop no matter if you're if you at the end of the day are considered a survivor a thriver a whatever you want to call yourself it never stops the process keeps going. You have to continue to survive. You have to continue to fight. You have to continue to love on yourself. You have to continue to feed yourself positive things because all of these negative things are happening around you. So those, that that's some of the things that I learned from my first journey into my second journey and then into my third journey, which I'm in now. Tamika, you're making me emotional because I mean, everything that you're saying is so powerful. I mean, you, you started off by talking about how you needed the strength and how that's kind of where your focus was the strength to get through it again, because you knew what it was like, what the treatment would do to your body. But what I am just blown away by from you is not only did you end up having the strength to continue to go through it again and again, but you have spent so much time advocating, sharing this knowledge that you have, sharing this information you have to help other people. And that mm-hmm. is just absolutely amazing. Um And something that I really related to is when you talked about how different it was this time around because you had a child. And Mm -hmm. when I was diagnosed, I also had younger children. Um, And I think that, would you say that that's part of the reason why the focus was much more on the physical, like get through this treatment, go on to the next, get through this treatment, go on to the next. And then for me, it was after my, initial, you know, treatment ended where the mental piece kind of kicked in. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you think that that is because you had a daughter and you were trying to really just like focus on the task at hand and then it kind of caught up to you? 
Lisa, I do believe that. I do believe that it is because I had my daughter and my focus was her. Mm-hmm. She was she was my focus. It was not about being here or, you know, anybody. It wasn't about anybody else, not even myself, to be honest. It My focus was her and my focus was to be here for her. And honestly, it still is. That is the reason why I fight so hard. And maintaining myself physically and mentally, uh, initially with my initial diagnosis, my initial breast cancer diagnosis was my goal because I didn't want my daughter to see not to see me weak, but to see me suffering. Mm-hmm. I not only saw a change in myself through this process, I saw a change in her. My daughter actually started to revert back to baby mode where she would cry about everything. She would whine about everything. She would, you know, it was more like, attend she needed my attention she needed my time and she knew I was going through something but she really didn't understand it so trying to mask you know the hurt and the pain and the anger and the frustration that I was feeling and what and what I was going through was what I was trying to do for her but I learned that I can't cover up what's actually happening. I have to talk to her about it. I have to explain to her what the process is. Even if she didn't really understand it, I had to talk to her. And there was no one there to tell me, how do I deal with this? Nobody. I I, I remember they gave my daughter a doll with a book and the book showed the process and the doll went through the process so you could take the hair off the doll Mm. and it showed that mommy was going to be bald. And so we read the book together. We went through the book. And when I went through the process, I showed her, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And, you know, so I, I do know that she was my focus. She is my focus. Mm -hmm every day like I'm here and I'm fighting for her um if you could write a letter to cancer which I know is kind of a loaded it's a loaded question because I bet you could write a novel to cancer Tamika (laughs) (laughs) but if you could write a letter to cancer what's one of the first things you would say One of the first things I would say in my letter to cancer is I, I hate you, but I love you. Mm. And I say that because I hate the process that I have to go through, but I love the journey that I'm on. And it might not make too much sense to a lot of people, but 
I hate that I have to suffer so much and go through so much and fight so hard, but I'm learning more about myself. I'm learning more about cancer. I'm learning more about the journey. I'm able to support other people. I'm able to be there for other people. And one thing that I knew when I was younger, and I've always said after my first diagnosis was, I'm gonna write a book. I'm gonna write a book about my life. And not only that, I knew I wanted to help other people because of all the people who helped me when I was 13. The doctors, the nurses, like, I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional, <laughs> but I remember my orthopedic surgeon, my orthopedic doctor, how he explained everything that was going to happen when it, when it came to my surgery, how he explained what a prosthesis was, how it was gonna go in my knee, how I was gonna have to work hard in order to walk again, to run again, to do the things that I enjoyed as a child. And he was just the kindest person I had ever met. And I remember when I first went to college, I didn't have my health insurance. And I had to have another surgery because from 13 to 18, I had grown. I had growth spurts, actual growth spurts. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I had to have my knee extended. I had to have my leg extended so that I could walk properly. And um, so I remember them saying to me, um, well, you don't have health insurance, so I don't know if he's going to take, take you as a patient. And so I said, you know, is it possible for me to speak to him? So I told him what was going on and how I didn't have insurance. And he said, Tamika, come in. And that was something that stuck with me for the rest of my life. That's something I will never, ever, ever forget. And a year later, probably about a year and a half later, I was scheduling to go see him and I, I was told that he passed away. Oh. So I wrote his wife a letter. Oh. And in the letter, I wish I would have kept the copy. I wish I would have, I wasn't thinking at the time, but in the letter, I remember telling her, thank you for sharing him with us mm. because he saved me and how he cared about his patients and how I told her how I didn't have insurance and he allowed me to come in to see him and he still saw me. So it's like those experiences you know, while we, we deal with a lot, <laughs> but it's those experiences with those great people and people who actually care that make the journey worthwhile. So uh, now what's 
really crazy is I went to to treatment. I go to treatment and a nurse says, Tamika, Tamika Johnson? And I say, yes. And she says, do you remember me? And I'm like, no, I don't think so. And she's like, I'm nurse so-and-so. And I said, O-M-G. She's the nurse who took care of me when I was 13. No way. Yes. Oh. So I remember her. She spent days and nights on the unit taking care of the kids. She was sweet as pie. Mm. Like, and she remembered me and she remembered my mom. And she talked about the reason why she remembered me was because I was so humble and I was just such a sweet child. And she remembered my mom because my mom would always bring goodies for the nurses. And so I was just like blown away. Like I am 41 at this point. And the nurse that took care of me at 13 is now a nurse that takes care of me at 41. Like, so when I go into my treatment room or the treatment area, it's like, I know that this person is a good person and it's gonna take care of me because she did it before. Mm. Isn't so, it amazing yeah. how, how much a good doctor makes a difference though? A good doctor or a good nurse? It's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable to have good people on your side, especially when you're fighting for your life. You know? It is, it's, it's really, really, it feels good. It makes the journey easier. It makes your loved ones feel more secure about what you're doing and what you're going through. Mm -hmm. It makes a huge difference. Your experience with cancer changed your perspective at all? Um, perspective as far as life, your perspective on life. Yes. Yes. I'd never realized. And I think, I think that's, that's with a lot of us, you know, here, you know, individually, like we don't realize how fragile life is, how important it is to live love, laugh, enjoy each and every moment, how important it is to love on your family, love on your loved ones, love on yourself, how it's just, it makes you look at life with more substance. Like life, because it's so fragile, because we don't know the days or numbers that we have here on this earth, like we have to maintain like 
a vision of love, purpose, goals. You know what I mean? Ah. Like, it's not just about being here. It's about what are you going to do while you're here? Are you going to just let life pass you by? Or are you going to live a purpose-filled, purposeful life? Whatever that looks like. And it sometimes isn't what we think it's going to look like. Because I thought me giving back and being there and taking care of other people would always look like me being a teacher in the classroom and supporting my high school students or me being a special education teacher and supporting, you know, adults with special needs. Because that is what I went to school for. That is what, that's what, that was my career. That was something I loved. That was something I gave my all to, me coaching, cheerleading, all of that. But what I realized is that my purpose and my goals were smaller than what the creator had for me. I didn't see the bigger picture. So sometimes we got to put down our own vision and pick up the creator's vision for our lives. So I don't see anymore. I don't see cancer as a bad thing. I don't. I see it as my purpose in life. It was my purpose to go through the struggles that I've been through, the things that I've gone through, the things that I'm going through in order to fulfill my divine purpose on this earth. So. Feels all over my body. (laughs) Oh, Tamika. You're, you're doing what you were meant to do just in a, in a way that you originally didn't picture, but Mm -hmm. you're still, you're still doing what you were meant to be doing. And that is teaching people, loving on people, advocating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I'm going to continue to do that until I am no longer able to. That's that's my goal. Regardless of what I experience and what I go through, like I just wanna be the person that I was destined to be mm-hmm. and make the stamp on this earth and do the things that I was destined to do. And I've fulfilled, you know, a lot of it. And um, writing my book was one. It took me a long time to do that. Like I couldn't sit and face some of the trauma that I had experienced. And because I actually was able to finally do that, I freed myself from so much heartache, from so much pain, from so much strife. And I picked up 
the love, the joy, the peace, and the power that I deserve and that I deserve to share with others. What What is something that you are proud of? Um, I am proud of me being willing to actually step into the shoes that I know are meant for me to fill. Because I was very afraid to do it. You know, I think about when I was a kid and how I never wanted to talk about cancer, never wanted to share my story because of everything that I had already gone through. And now look at me, I can't stop. <laughs> like I'm such a private person. Like anybody who knows me, I promise you, they'll be like Tamika telling what her business, her story, her what, like they'll be, they wouldn't believe it. Like if I, you know, stayed the person that I was like, they'll be like, yeah, no, she's not going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm proud of myself because I stepped out there and I actually did it and I'm continuing to do it. And I'm loving me through the process. You're helping a lot of people in the process too. And what I tell people is that like, it's a lot of times where I might post something, I might do something, but I'm doing it honestly for myself. A lot of times I'm doing it for me because I need that encouragement. I need that push. I need that sometimes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes mm -hmm. they have to come from yourself in order for you to really, really understand what you are meant to do and what you and, and how you're meant to do it. Very well um, said. That's very well said. Thank you. What what advice would you give someone who is newly diagnosed? Ooh. I'm thinking about myself being newly diagnosed and the things that <laughs> I really uh, didn't want to hear and the things that I really needed to hear and needed to go through and, you know, feel like. But uh, what I would say is this is your journey people are going to have their opinions. People are going to tell you which, what they think you need to do. People are going to try their best to push their agendas, their lives, their, their own purpose and their own you know, things on you. 
And what I would say is, this is your journey. Do it your way. No matter what that looks like, do it your way. If you want advice from other people who've been through the journey, ask for it. If you're, if you don't want advice, tell people you don't want the advice. Like I'm learning to speak up for myself. I'm learning to say, thank you, but no, thank you. I'm learning to say, I've tried that didn't work for me, but thank you. You know, because I get a lot, you're going to get a lot of, you should be vegan. Mm. You should be vegetarian. Have you heard of Dr. CB? You, <laughs> you're going to get so much and it's going to be so overwhelming. Take in what you need and release what you don't. Great advice, Mika. Yeah. Absolutely. Great, great advice. Is Thank there you. anything else that you would say to cancer if you had the opportunity? What else would I say to cancer? Ooh, there's so much. <laughs> no. There's so much positive and negative that I would say, you know, I would definitely tell cancer how much I hate it and what it's done negatively in my life. Um, I feel like cancer has taken a lot from me, but when I really think about it, it also has opened up an opportunity for me to receive more. And what I'm receiving now is far greater than what I had before, if that makes sense. So what I would say to cancer is, cancer, you didn't impact me the way that you thought you would. Mm. And the way that you used me, I'm going to use you, but worse. Mm. So yes, this is my life. I'm now, you know, metastatic. I'm continuing to go through treatment. Days are hard. Weeks are hard. Moments are hard. But my purpose is far greater than what cancer thought it had in store for me. So thank you. Thank you, Cancer, because you've helped me to find me and you've helped me to find the person that needs to be there for other people. So what tried to take me out and what continues to try to take me out just continues to push me forward and helps me to elevate, helps me to evolve helps me to continue to walk in my purpose. So, yeah, I do have a lot of negative to say, but I think that, you know, what cancer thought it was doing, it actually isn't. Mm -hmm. 
no, I think that was all well said. And I, I feel honored to have had this opportunity to have this conversation with you. And you really, you really shared your heart. You shared your soul. Um, and for that, I am very grateful. Uh, and I think that your words are going to continue to touch a lot of people. Um, so thank you for, for your time and for your beautiful words of, of wisdom and of strength, regardless of what you're going through. I thank you guys for giving me this opportunity. Um, like I said, I really wanted to write. Things are a little, you know, crazy for me right now. I have a procedure tomorrow. So I am preparing for that physically and mentally. Um, but I did want to have an opportunity to to share in this moment because I thought it was a great, great writing prompt. Like, dear cancer, mm-hmm. say whatever you want to say. <laughs> really causes you to reflect, huh? Yeah. yeah. Like, it, it does. Like, really, you got to think, like, what would I really say to cancer? Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, like, really, like, what did cancer, what is, what has cancer, you know, taught you as a person? Mm-hmm. So, and sharing that with other people may help other people look at cancer differently. Definitely. You know, not, not to look at cancer as something negative, which it is. I'm not saying that it's not. But you got to sometimes change your vision in order to really see, like, like we got to look through different lenses in order to really see, why am I here? So, you know, I bet you guys over there, Elephants and Tea, didn't ever think that you'd be doing this either. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, it. Yeah. I found elephants in tea when I was in treatment and yeah, this was not my career. I was actually a former teacher just like you. So, um, definitely cancer, cancer changes a lot. And I, I echo everything that you said about, yeah, a lot of it was not great, but sure taught me a lot. Changed, changed trajectory, changed my life. And I, I think that especially for young adults who are going through it. I think that's a common way to feel. So I just thank you for sharing, for sharing your story. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. We hope you feel a little less alone in what you're going through. Be sure to tune in next time, but until then, Visit www.elephantsandtea.com for more relatable content.